Welcome to the Choose You Now podcast. I'm your host, Juliana Hever. Dr. Glenn Livingston is a veteran and trusted psychologist who admits he's been disillusioned by what traditional psychology has to offer overweight or food-obsessed individuals. So he spent several decades researching the nature of binging and overeating through work with his own patients and a self-funded research program with more than 40,000 participants. He's also been on his own personal journey out of both obesity and food prison that has brought him to a healthy weight and a much more lighthearted relationship with food. Everybody has their own relationship with food. It is so deeply personal. Listen in on how this good doctor navigates the experience. Glenn, thank you so much for being here. I can't thank you enough for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this all week long. I love your work so much. I stumbled upon your book, Never Binge Again, a couple of years ago, and it really resonated with me because of all the work I do with my clients. And just it just really resonated. I feel like you were the first person who I've come across who spoke about food addiction and binge eating in a very simple, practical, relatable way. And I was so excited to have some language that validated my experience with my clients over the years. And so much so that it inspired me to reach out to you. And I feel so lucky to have connected and learned more from you in our amazing conversations. And I'm really grateful to have you here today to share your story and your wisdom with my audience too. I'm happy to do it and what an honor coming from you. Thank you, Juliana. You also, let's start from your background. It's so fascinating. You have, is it 17 people in your extended family that are psychologists? The, the standard joke is that if something breaks in the house, everybody knows how to ask it how it feels and nobody knows how to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> so how do, you, how do you feel at this point in your life? How do you feel like it influenced you growing up? Well, um, it was an extremely soulful experience. I think my parents taught me to value like soul over ambition, um, people over money, that, that kind of thing. Um, in some ways too much. In some ways I had to teach myself to be a man in the world when I, when I got older because I was just so focused on everything being of psychological nature. And when it came to overcoming binge eating, it actually was a hindrance um, because for the you know, 25 years or so that I really suffered with binge eating myself, I thought that the problem was that I had a hole in my heart. And if I could heal that metaphorical hole in my heart, I could stop trying to fill it in my stomach. I kind of had the wrong idea because the solution to binge eating, I believe, turns out to be much more practical than um, than we're led to believe by our culture. And um, and ultimately, I found that the solution for me was more of an alpha, alpha wolf, tough love approach, where I was taking control of this bodily organ, bodily sensation inside of me than having to do with uh, deep psychological healing. And I could, you know, I could tell you stories about that if you want me to make that a little clearer. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about my background, or we can go any direction you want to. Yeah, thank you. Well, I think that you, that was my next question is about how your personal journey landed you here as this expert, but I would love for you to elaborate. And that was what resonated with me. Can you elaborate on like the mechanisms of physiology? Like what is it that happens like from the reptilian brain perspective, that, that, that story that you talk about um, so that you could explain exactly why you made that transition and your thinking about binge eating. Okay. 
okay, with, with the caveat that I'm, you know, I'm a psychologist, not a medical doctor, and I, I know enough neurology to be dangerous. <laughs> so a true neurologist would take me to task on some of this, but it's essentially accurate. Um, you could you could think of the brain in two parts if you want to. You could think of the survival mechanisms of the brain, the um, fight, flee, or freeze response, the um, feast or famine response, the part of the brain that um, acts very quickly on impulse, has to be ready to defend against a, a predatory tiger or some type of emergency in the world, um, had to be ready to seize on the opportunity to gather um, sources of nutrition and calories in an environment in our evolution where there were probably was probably a scarcity of that. You know, the way that we live today with an abundance of um, calories and nutrients available, especially if people eat like you tell them to, Juliana. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the way that we live today is not really the way that we lived for 99.9% of our evolutionary history. Um, and so I believe that the, the phenomenon of, uh, and this is on a continuum, it's not really a black and white thing, but the phenomenon of eating beyond our own best judgment. And for some people, it's as bad as feeling like someone put a gun to their head and made them sit by the refrigerator and empty the contents into their, into their jaw. For other people, it's just eating a little more than they plan to. But I believe that that's triggered by this evolutionary mechanism having to do with those survival drives. It's, it's, like, um, it's like there's something inside that says, oh, my God, we're going to starve if we don't get as much calories and nutrition as we can right now. And then there's, um, there's also a predatory nature of the food industry. Um, Yes. You know, I was I was going to say that begs the question because, you know, we can't do that much about it, like with the clients that we work with, but like there's an influence from the food industry and it's powerful. It's really powerful. I, I always say we didn't have, um, you know, Doritos and Pop-Tarts and pizza on the Savannah. Right. Right. Um, so we're not evolutionarily equipped to deal with these hyper palatable stimuli, these, these supersized concentrations of starch and sugar and, you know, excitotoxins and salt and oil. Um, and, and what happens is the brain responds to this because there, you know, there are billions of dollars that are going into engineering these food-like substances and the, the brain responds to this as if it's a matter of survival. And so that's why people constantly have the experience. And, and there are solutions for this, by the way. I don't want you to get depressed. But this is why people constantly have the experience of, um, you know, just hand over the chocolate and nobody gets hurt. It doesn't matter what diet book I read over the weekend. It doesn't matter what plans I made. I'm now I'm in Starbucks and I'm hungry and damn it, there's a chocolate bar at the counter and, you know, chocolate is, um, comes from a cocoa bean and that must be a vegetable and <laughs> therefore it's okay. Right. And I'm only exaggerating a little bit for effect. Um, most people are more familiar with the, um, Oh well, gee, you worked out hard enough. You're not going to gain weight today if you have some chocolate, or one one piece won't hurt, or you can just start again tomorrow. It's going to be just as easy to start again tomorrow. Um, but what what happens is there's this activation of the reptilian brain, and it overrides our better judgment. It, it overrides the second part of the brain, which is the part that is active when we perceive 
things to be okay in the world. So when we are calm and we're resting and digesting, that's when it's okay for this higher part of our brain to strategize about what we want to accomplish, um, to think about pursuing our longer-term goals, to um, really weigh the possibilities and make intellectual decisions and and use language to represent who we are and where we want to go. And it's really the upper brain that makes us much more uniquely human. But the problem is that even though the upper brain is superior to the lower brain and has the capacity to inhibit virtually any impulse, um, it's often just inactivated by the lower brain without thinking. And there, therein lies the solution. There, therein is where the solution is. So um, I think the original question is, what's the mechanism of binge eating? The, the mechanism is an activation of your lower brain by all of the, uh, you know, fancy advertising and uh, dopamine rewards that are delivered by these hyperpalatable concentrated forms of sugar and starch and fat and oil and um, all the yummy things that we like to eat in the bags, boxes, and containers, while some fat cat in a white stu- in a white mustache laughs all the way to the bank. Right, right. It's like the way I say it is that it's always a food. You know, we feel my clients, we feel broken. Like why, why can't I? I know I don't want to eat this. Why can't I stop? And it's such a familiar experience that so many have, so many people have. It's not like you know, people don't do this with broccoli. People don't binge on broccoli. People binge on these foods that are, like you said, hyper palatable. So, what do you tell your? You have this amazing program for anyone that's interested in really diving in. I highly recommend you reach out to Dr. Glenn Livingston and find out more about how he works. But what would you say to the audience? Like, what are some things you can do when you're looking at those foods, or what? Are, how are? How do you deal in this? How do you live in this world and not, you know, dive in and not ruin your goals and 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 not be susceptible? Or, or how do you deal with that? susceptibility that you already have biologically. Yeah, let, let's talk about that. Um, so first of all, let, let's address the idea that we're broken. Um, there's no evidence really that we're broken. There, um, I, I don't believe that there's something wrong with us or that we have some chronic, progressive, mysterious disease against which there's no defense. What I think overeaters have are healthy appetites that are corrupted by industry. That's what I think. And I think it's really important that you start to recognize that and the shame that we're taught to feel. I mean, you you could look at any formerly obese person, including me, and you can still see the shame on their face. Um, overeaters are people who tend to take responsibility for problems in the world, and they, they feel ashamed that they haven't really conquered this. Um, but I think that part of recovery involves taking a look at the world that we live in and turning that shame into anger. And I, you know, I don't want you to go start a riot or something like that, but, um, but I, I want you to get mad at that there's not more regulation that big food and big advertising is allowed to prey on your revolutionary buttons like that. So that's, that's part of it. Um, and then to address the other thing you said, I would like people to know that if you ask, why can't I stop eating? What's wrong with me? Why can't I stop eating? You've lost the game to start with. Because the questions that we ask determine the evidence that we collect. So when you say, why can't I stop eating? What's wrong with me that I can't stop eating? You're directing your brain to look for evidence 
that you can't stop eating. And if you gather evidence that you can't stop eating, you're going to believe that you can't stop eating, you're going to develop a failure identity. So what you want to do after a binge, for example, or even just an overeating mistake, is you want to ask yourself, what went right? What can I leverage even more next time? Did I have five cupcakes instead of 15? Well, that's terrific. How come? How did I stop? What did I recognize as the signal? How did I, you know, stop the train in its tracks and at least, you know, stop it from moving further in the wrong direction before I got it back in the right direction? Um, did I have the whole pizza, but not the box? How did I stop there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a joke, but, but what, what can I do better? What can I do better? The whole principle of choose you now is what my work has evolved over the last few years, especially, but really trying to take it into the moment. And if I understand you, um, your what your perspective is, I, we're so in alignment on this. It's about creating space. And like you said, you can't, you always say this, you can't uh, go backwards. You can't go forwards. It's all about this one moment right now and making that decision right now. So in those moments, because I have clients that are in very, it gets to really dark places, right? Where you're there and you're struggling and you feel like there's no way out. What what can we do in that moment to make it, you know, to become present? Like, what is your advice? If this is something that I think is everything, like everything happens in that moment. And that's why I tell my clients, and that's why the podcast and my new book is I'll choose you now, right? Because you can't go back, you can't go forward. What do we do now in this moment to create space? What a wonderful question. Um, Every food decision is an opportunity for self-love or self-harm. And your opportunity to heal yourself only exists in the present. And it's really important to recognize that the ability to be in the present is a muscle. It's not a black or white thing that people have or they don't. It's a muscle. And when you hear the reptilian brain calling you into the future by saying, well, you've, this is like a really horrible itch and I'm going to torture you with cravings until you give in eventually. You need to come back and say, well, wait a minute. First of all, you don't have a time machine any more than I do. Secondly, um, secondly, if I never binge now, if I always choose the present moment to be healthy, then I'm always going to be healthy because the future is an infinite string of nows. And so when I get to the future, it's going to be now. Just like Juliana, as each of these words is coming out of my mouth, it's still now. Now it's now. It's now again. Look at that. It's, it's still now, right? <laughs> yes. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And every time you do that and you love yourself by coming into the present moment and, and choosing you now, which I'm it's really cool because now I'm going to have to say that and promote your book all the time. <laughs> <laughs> See, we um, are so on the same page. I love that. It, our work is so synergistic. It, it really is. It really is. But every time you do that, you're strengthening that muscle. People spend so much time worrying about they're going to give in in the future. They don't recognize that by obsessing about their future, they're weakening their now muscle. Um, and that all they have to do is come to the present moment and strengthen their ability to choose you now. And when the future arrives, that no muscle is going to be much stronger. I find that that insight is a piercing insight that that um, stops the future obsession cold. Similarly, people get drawn into the past. The reptilian brain says, well, you failed so many times before and you've tried this program and that program and 
why do you think this is going to be any different? You've always failed. You obviously can't do this, so you might as well just binge now. Um, so there you can see the pig, the pig, the reptilian brain is trying to get you to um, think about the past and that, that this decision is all about the past, but really it's attacking you in the present. And so you come right back to the present and you, and you say, well, you know, I can only use the present moment to be healthy. But moreover, you're wrong about your prediction because the research says the primary difference between people who lose weight and keep it off versus people who yo-yo diet forever is the sheer number of attempts that they have beforehand. So the reptilian brain says that the frequent failures up to this point are more predictive of current failure than success. But the truth is the more times you failed in the past, the more likely you are to succeed now. Um, the path to success seems to run through repeated failures. Um, and the last thing is, if we had to fail because we failed in the past, then nobody would be standing upright and walking and everybody would be in diapers because nobody learns how to walk on the first try. The path to walking successfully always goes through repeated failures. Do you ever tell your kid, oh my God, you fell down so many times, just give up and crawl the rest of your life? Or, you know, you can't seem to make the potty 100% of the time, so you really should give up and just wear diapers the rest of your life. It's, it's ridiculous. It's obviously a motivated statement. The, the um, reptilian brain is arguing against our ability to abstain from um, breaking the rules because it just wants its bins food. Uh, and behind every, behind every self-criticism that says, oh, you know, you're awful, you failed a million times before, you obviously can't do it, so let's binge now, is yummy, 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 yummy. <laughs> right? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so that, those are some of our techniques for coming into now, into the now. Um, the classical techniques work really well. You know, the breathing we talked about. Um, I'm not a meditator. It's always been difficult for me to sit still like that, but it it does work for people who, who do meditate. Um, I do use yoga. And I've met many people who tell me that when they started doing yoga regularly, even for 10 or 15 minutes every night, that it removed their urge to binge at night. Um, and if you think about it, yoga is designed to active, activate the um, parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest system that allows us to be on our upper brain. So it's yeah. um, great advice. I love that. I love that. I, all those methods are so helpful and practical. And thank you for sharing that wisdom. I have one last question for you, Glenn. You know, choose you now. How do you personally, Glenn, choose you now and take care of all of that wonderful, that that muscle that is sharing all this wisdom in the world? Well, I, I prioritize shopping for myself and making, you know, vegetable juices. And um, I was just looking at your book before and I realized I need to learn how to make some of those recipes. <laughs> uh, um, I, I, I you know, we talk about how do you come into the present moment. The thing is, you are in the present moment. You, you don't really have a choice. That's the only moment that exists. And so when you remember that, I think that's another way of, of choosing you now. Um, Julian, Juliana, I journal. I have my own coaches in psychotherapy. I make sure that I get enough sleep. 
I indulged myself in a home on the beach. Um, that, that's how I do it. That's how I do it. I, you know, I have a therapist I can talk to if I want to. I have a coach I can talk to if I want to. I have friends. I have family. Um, and I know that that voice of self-castigation, if you make a mistake, and I'm, I'm not immune to ever making mistakes. I make less and less and less as the years go by. Um, and I, you know, I maintain myself at a reasonable weight. I'm not, I'm not perfectly skinny, but, um, Oh, you're not perfect either. I'm not. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're human after all. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. Yep. So I, I do all those things. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm so grateful to have you. We have to have you back. You have so much to say. And I really, really adore you and appreciate your work. And anytime, Juliana, can I have 20 seconds to tell people where they could find out more? Please do. Um, If you go to neverbingeagain.com and you click the big red button, I've got three really great things for you for free. The first is a copy of the book which has more than 13,000 reviews, by the way, which is more than the Da Vinci Code. Whoa. Excuse me, my modesty for a moment. <laughs> um, but you'll get a free copy at um, neverbingeagain.com if you sign up for the reader's bonus list. And that's free for Kindle, Nook, or PDF. The um, paperback and the audible copies have a charge with them. Um, you will also get a set of food plan starter templates. So... Um, it doesn't really matter what dietary philosophy you're following. I, I hope you're following a whole foods plant-based philosophy like Juliana does. And I actually want to interview you about your six threes. Ah, I, okay. Maybe you could briefly touch on it before we go, but, but I would like to put you on my podcast about that. Um, so you get a set of food plan starter templates. So you can see a set of rules that might work for any dietary philosophy, just to give you some ideas. And the last thing is, I, I know that this sounds... Um, a little weird in theory, like, wait a minute, this reptilian brain is not me. You call it your pig. What's wrong with this doctor? Um, it sounds like it might be harsh, but it's actually a very life-giving, compassionate, enthusiasm-producing process. And so I recorded a whole bunch of full-length coaching sessions I want you to hear um, so you can see what it's like in process and how people go from feeling despairing and powerless and hopeless to feeling enthusiastic and positive in just one session. So it's all at neverbingeagain.com. Click the big red button and sign up for the reader bonus list. Thank you for that one minute promo. Thanks, Julie. No, honestly, it's I, I recommend everyone goes. Or I tell people about your work all the time. So I do recommend everyone go check it out. And it's very helpful and normalizing and practical. And again, Glenn Livingston, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. By strengthening their future, they are weakening their now. Come back to the present. You are in the present moment. It's the only moment that exists. Choose you now. If you are inspired and enjoy the Choose You Now podcast, become a member of our Patreon page, patreon.com slash choose you now, and you'll have access to exclusive, amazing content. Please also subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes, and send us an email with questions and comments at chooseyounowpodcast at gmail.com. For nutrition services and more information, visit me at plantbaseddietitian.com. I invite you to choose yourself now, and I'm signing off with lots of leafy green love.